up to Numbers chapter 3. Now, this is the history of the generations of Aaron and Moses in the day that Yahweh spoke with Moses in Mount Sinai. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the priests who were anointed when he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. Nadab and Abihu died before Yahweh when they offered strange fire before Yahweh in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. Eliezer and Ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the presence of Aaron their father. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister to him. They shall keep his requirements and the requirements of the whole congregation before the tent of meeting to do the service of the tabernacle. They shall keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and the obligations of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. You shall give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given to him on the behalf of the children of Israel. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall keep their priesthood. But the stranger who comes near shall be put to death. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of all the firstborn who opened the womb among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I made holy to me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and animal. They shall be mine, I am Yahweh. Yahweh spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Count the children of Levi by their father's houses, by their families, you shall count every male from a month old and upward. Moses counted them according to Yahweh's words, as he was commanded. These were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, Kohath, Merari. These are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimi. The sons of Kohath by their families, Amram, Issar, Hebron and Uziel. The sons of Merari by their families, Mali and Mushi. These are the families of the Levites according to their fathers' houses. Of Gershon was the family of Libnites and the family of Shimites. These are the families of the Gershonites. Those who were counted of them according to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, even those who were counted of them were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites shall encamp behind the tabernacle westward. Elisaph, the son of Lael, shall be the prince of the father's house of the Gershonites. The duty of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting shall be the tabernacle, the tent, its covering, the screen for the door of the tent of meeting, the hangings of the court, the screen for the door of the court, which is by the tabernacle and around the altar and its cords for all of its service. Of Koath was the family of the Amramites, the family of the Izharites, the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzielites. These are the families of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, there were 8,600 keeping the requirements of the sanctuary. The families of the sons of Kohath shall encamp on the south side of the tabernacle. The prince of the father's house of the families of Kohathites shall be Elisaphan, the son of Uziel. Their duty shall be the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the vessels of the sanctuary with which they minister, the screen and all its service, 
Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest shall be the prince of the princes of the Levites with the oversight of those who keep the requirements of the sanctuary. Of Merari was the family of the Marlites and the family of the Mushites. These are the families of Merari, those who were counted of them according to the number of the males from a month old and upward were 6,200. The prince of the father's house of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihail. They shall encamp on the north side of the tabernacle. The appointed duty of the sons of Merari shall be the tabernacle's boards, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its instruments, all its service, the pillars of the court around it, their sockets, their pins, and their cords. Those who encamp before the tabernacle eastward, in front of the tent of meeting, toward the sunrise, shall be Moses, with Aaron and his sons, keeping the requirements of the sanctuary for the duty of the children of Israel. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. All who were counted of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron counted at the commandment of Yahweh by their families, all the males from a month old and upward, were 22,000. Yahweh said to Moses, Count all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and upward, and take the number of their names. You shall take the Levites for me, I am Yahweh, instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and all the livestock of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. Moses counted, as Yahweh commanded him, all the firstborn among the children of Israel, all the firstborn males, according to the number of names from a month old and upward, of those who were counted of them were 22,273. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock, and the Levites shall be mine. I am Yahweh. For the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel who exceed the number of the Levites, you shall take five shekels apiece for each one. According to the shekel of the sanctuary, you shall take them. The shekel is 20 gerahs. And you shall give the money with which their remainder is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. Moses took the redemption money from those who exceeded the number of those who were redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the children of Israel he took the money, 1,365 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to Yahweh's word, as Yahweh commanded Moses. When we were reading the census in chapter 1, the Levites weren't counted. And then when we were reading the layout of the camp in chapter 2, the Levites weren't um, mentioned in there either. So people were saying, well, what happened to the Levites? (laughs) Well, now we know. This is this chapter and the next one are going to explain what's happened to the Levites. So there's 12 tribes of Israel, but there's really 13. Because what happened is you've got Joseph who becomes two tribes. So because he becomes two there's 13 tribes, but because Levi is, is kind of excluded from owning land, and it becomes a tribe in a kind of a different way. So it's, it's still the 12 tribes of Israel in the sense that there are 12, including Levi, and Joseph is two, but Joseph is two. But when you don't count Levi, there's still 12. So there's this kind of double way that there's 12 tribes. So here, 
um, we've got this, um, the counting of Levi. And Levi had three sons, Kohath, Gershon, and Merari. And we see now that they are placed around the tabernacle in very close. And you'll remember in my um, previous video, I was showing you um, there are various layouts, and this is one of them. And um, north is that way, but we've just got Judah at the top because the east is the prominent direction. And so you see you've got the tabernacle right there in the middle, and you've got Kohath, Gershom, Merari. So there's three sons of Levi, and um, but there's four sides. So who is at the fourth side here is Moses and his family, Aaron and his sons and their family. So this little section here is, is the smallest grouping of tents in the whole thing. That's for the top level of the leaders. And this is the eastern side of the tabernacle. So Moses is to the east, and the tribe of Judah and the Judah group is to the east of the tabernacle. The east is the prominent location. And um, you read all of this and you think to yourself, why, why do we need this level of detail? And um, it, it doesn't make for very interesting reading today. But there's two things to say about it. First of all, it's not that detailed. If you, if you were to try to read it and try to recreate what actually happened with, with just the level of detail we have, you realize there's a lot of information we don't have. It just feels like it's, it's very detailed. It is detailed enough, but it's not that detailed. But having said that, there's enough detail and specific information in there to show us that the detail matters to God. I already talked in the last video about my own family's camping setup. We need a certain level of organization <laughs> and you definitely need it for a group of millions of people when they're setting up. And God himself is, a, is an organized God. Now he's not a God that is so, he's not, um, He's not so, let's say, OCD. Uh, he's not so pedantic that he's not gracious when people don't do things correctly. But he himself is very uh, precise without coming across as having OCD, if you know what I'm trying to say. He just does things really well. But at the same time, he's so gracious and patient and... Um, one of the things that occurs to me when we read a chapter like this is we look at the detail that God has gone to in establishing the nation of Israel and the detail that he's gone to in, in all the symbols and the types and the building up for the coming of Jesus. And we realize that he's involved in the detail of our lives too. We can, I think we can, we can trust that he has the detail of our life in his hands. And sometimes we worry about the detail of our lives. And I can remember as a, as a teenager, um, praying a prayer one, one night, like laying in my bed as a 14 year old, and, and I was looking you know, at other young people in the youth group and they seemed to have boyfriends and girlfriends, and, and I didn't. And, and you know, this for me was a thing that I, I felt like I wasn't as important as others. I felt like, uh, you know, why were other people, you know, did they have boyfriends and girlfriends and why were they loved? And, and, so as a 14-year-old, this was something that, that weighed upon my mind, and I worried about it, and I prayed about it, and it seemed like God wasn't answering my prayer. 
And then I look back on it now, and I'm so grateful that God knew better in that moment and didn't answer my prayer at that time. And see, God was involved in the detail of my life at the time when it felt like he wasn't involved in the detail of my life. And that's the very nature of God. If you were one of these Israelites living in the camp and you were walking in the hot dust and you were living in this campsite, you might not have felt (laughs) that God was overly concerned with the detail of your life. But you could see from this narrative that he had such an organized system and it was laid out in a very precise way for the benefit of everyone. Isn't that amazing? And so that's the lesson we can take from this is not to assume that how you feel is how God feels. Because it's definitely, so often it's the case that it's not, the, it's not correct. The, the, the way that God thinks about your life and his care and his concern down to the finest detail is, is at work, even when you're not aware of it. But having said that, it's certainly possible to turn your back on the Lord and to reject you know, his work in your life, and that's something we should not do. You know, it occurs to me that any one of these Israelites could have left. You know, they were told to camp in their groups, camp in their families and their clans and their tribes and in this order. And any individual could have just said, I don't want this anymore, I'm going off. But you know that the minute they left the camp of the Israelites, they would have perished in the wilderness. They were being sustained here by miraculous by miraculous events like manna. The Lord provided manna and water. The Bible says their clothes didn't wear out. There was something miraculous going on and the life that they obtained came from being a part of God's people. This is something we don't often realize today. People say, oh, you can be a Christian and not go to church. But what they don't realize is the word church means God's people. It's a bit like saying, I can be a part of God's people without being a part of God's people. It's an oxymoron. The life that we have as Christians comes from being connected to God, but it comes from being connected to God's people because the first commandment we have is to love the Lord and then the second commandment we have is to love those around us. Um, John the Apostle is the one that was always saying that this is how we know we're in the faith, if we love the brothers and the sisters. How can you say you're a Christian if you separate yourself from the brothers and the sisters? You, you, you're simply not in that position of loving God's people. And so we see here that, that God has organized his people. The Old Testament Israelites are a symbol of it, but in the New Testament, it's the church. God's organized his people and we need to be a part of it. And when we do, there's life for us. And we're not perfect like anyone else. No one else is perfect. But by being a part of God's people, We're in a place where we receive life and we can grow and find grace and change. And that whole idea that you can be, you can, you don't have to be in the church to follow the Lord is simply just a mistaken idea. You may as well be one of the Israelites and just wander off into the desert and think that it's just going to work for you all on your own. It won't. Lord, I pray that you would remove out of every heart this idea that we can be a believer on our own and instead strengthen within us this idea that we're a part of a body of Christ, a a family of God. We are part of the fellowship of saints, that we belong to one another, that, that it's in that place that the life of God is poured out, that we receive miraculous provision in that place. Heavenly Father, let us not be loners. Let us not be people that think we can find the grace of God and shun God's people at the same time. Lord, 
let, let this whole idea be removed from your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.